You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Welcome to another edition of Global Trade This Week. My name is Doug Draper. I'm one half of the team that brings you some good fodder and hopefully some educational material on our wonderful supply chain and logistics industry. But I'm only half. The other half of, uh, of the tag team is my good friend, Mr. Pete Mento, who has been thawing out from uh, some wicked cold up in the Northeast. So, Pete, how you doing? Well, I'm warmer now, but that was, it was awful, Doug. It was awful. Mm-hmm. I left Minnesota for a reason, man. And um, <laughs> these last couple of days, they, 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 were, they were bracing, that is for sure. It makes one yeah. reconsider living in Florida. Yeah. Well, we were talking yeah. before the show about the Mount Washington up at, um, and it was like, it was so cold, like another atmospheric pressure came down or something nuts like that. It's made pretty good national news. So, uh, cold. Yeah. Very cold. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it was one of those science moments where I had to get someone to send me a YouTube video to explain mm-hmm. it to me. So yet again, the internet teaches me something. Thanks internet. Um, but yeah, yeah, I learned something from the internet this week on how the stratosphere apparently came down from the winds and, but, but it was, it, Doug, it was, it was absolutely ridiculous yeah. how cold it was. Um, but with the, the wind chill at one point was 40 below. Um, and then again, the fact that yesterday it was nearly 50 degrees, um, means that at, at one point, it was almost 70 degrees warmer yesterday than it was the day before. It's, to me, 70 degrees is like, that is a pleasant, to me, it is the optimal temperature. So it was almost the optimal temperature warmer than it was the day before. And mm. I think that's just preposterous. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you mm. what, it's the extremes. The warmer, it's hotter and hotter in the summer and colder and colder in the winter. So that, well, you know mm. what, Pete, this show is not about the atmosphere or weather. The show is about global trade, supply chain, logistics, and how it impacts our listeners. So I think that's the it best question I got, man. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I know that, um, and God bless you, man. You you sent us, um, you you were kind enough to send us uh, your, your, your topics first. Yep. And we kind of have one word of tag team this week, and that's the M2 Alliance breaking apart. Um, all good things must come to an end. Good being in the eye of the beholder. Uh, over the course of the past couple of years, those of us that had to purchase capacity from this alliance, uh, it, it was like you know trying to buy fresh bread in the Soviet Union. Uh, you waited in line, you were hopeful, and you really hoped by the time that you got to the front of the line, there was still bread to buy. Um, and luckily, you know, if you had a relationship, that helped a lot too. Um, it, it was a brutal couple of years, and that alliance worked out well. But now we're seeing that break down. And from my perspective, I have been saying for quite a while, Doug, that it was only a matter of time before parts of the, you know, the party of these carriers began to fall apart. And the, you know, the chumminess of all these carriers kind of getting along uh, turned into them just in the street, throwing each other into traffic and, um, you know, 
uh, like something out of a spy novel or a mob a mob movie from the 1930s. Like I'm expecting this to get really ugly, just mm. turning into a knife fight into in a closet. You know, just dudes ice picking each other, metaphorically speaking, of course, because the market is going to get bad, really bad, and they're going to start fighting over customers, and customers are going to start really screwing them into the ground. Because as much as I've been sitting here saying we should have some degree of grace with these ocean carriers. There are a lot of people who remember very well what it was like over the course of the last couple of years when they were dealing with ocean carriers who did anything but show them even a modicum of mercy in what was one of the worst years, a uh, couple of years that we've ever seen. So these breakdowns of this alliance, I think you're going to see more complicated breakups of other alliances, and then you're going to start seeing that snapping of relationships and then the the rates go even farther as they're unable to begin to control capacity doug so stay tuned it's about to get weird yeah you know the, the two things um and that's a good point the one thing you just brought up that i had not thought about is is um you know the impact and the fighting right and maybe that's a strong word, but who gets what customer at what level, right? Because we've co-opted our services, so when we peel them apart, who, get, who gets what? So a couple things that popped out at me. Number one, this was initially a 10-year agreement, right? It was signed yeah. in 2015. So um, it, it, the, the point was to, to um, I'm not that familiar with the 2015 aspect of it, Pete, but it's 10 years. There's lots of things that can change. Business models have changed. So, um, you know, it's not like it's this immediate cutoff. You said a, a knife fight metaphorically, and maybe it'll turn into that. But the way I read it is, hey, uh, it was a good run. Time to move in our separate directions. But the, the key thing here, I was like, well, what's what um, what's the direction each one is going? So it sounds like from uh, research I've done is MSC has grown in size. And they're kind of doubling down on their fleet and assets. And um, are they big enough to go it alone? Where Maersk is talking more about growing as an integrated logistics provider. Um, and we've talked and seen that whenever they've looked into investing in aircraft um, and expanding things beyond just, just ocean freight. So, you know, I don't think one is either right or wrong. It's just two different directions. It's a good opportunity after eight years to... Uh, to, to break it, but there's still two years left in the alliance. So there lies, oh, yeah. there's there lies the rub, Pete. Is it? It's all fine and dandy until you get into the court and uh, and you're going through the divorce and everybody gets pissed at each other and things start getting wonky. Yeah, <laughs> see, Devin, that's where my head goes. Right? It's like it's like whenever you see these celebrity couples, they're going to gracefully decouple. You know, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a loving decoupling, and it's like that song. From the 70s, you know, there ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. It's just yeah. you and me and we just disagree. And like, you know, they're going to they're gonna have that one loving embrace and, and maybe we'll go to parties together and it'll be cool. Uh, no. They're going to be fighting over who gets Aunt Rhonda's pheasant that they got on the wedding day. And they're going to be arguing over who gets what weekend with the golden retriever they just got last Christmas. It's going to get bad. It's just a question of when, dude. It's just a question of when. These are publicly traded companies that have shareholders who want their money, 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 money. And yeah. they're going to end up going at each other. I mean, it's going to be Burns going, release the hounds at some point. And I'm here for it, dude. I've got the warm popcorn. i got the soda water on ice. 
And I'm going to be blocking off time in my viewing um, calendar to catch every single second of this season of Game of Containers. Mm. I am I am here for it, dude. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I cannot yeah. wait. Yeah, I think you're right. After the two, it, they still got two years to shake it all out. There's a lot of uh, lines that will be drawn in the sand as far as, hey, this sounded good, and it will mm. happen. But like you said, there's mm. going to be uh, – Oh, Doug, Doug. Just wait if one of these parties starts seeing other people. Oh. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. The best kind of reality show. Best kind of reality show. Yeah, that's true, man. It this checks all the boxes on that. So it mm-hmm. will be it'll be interesting. Well, I had heard that um that Maersk wasn't really interested in, you know, there's some smaller alliances that they have, but as far as trying to develop something to the scope of them too, with their integrated logistics play efforts, attention are kind of migrating and, and uh, not focused on a alliance, but um, uh, making themselves more engaging with their customer base. Yeah. I, I mentioned this in LinkedIn. Um, I'm fascinated in what Maersk is doing from the, uh, from the aspect of a total logistics business entity, you know, from, from the point of picking up your box, stuffing it in a container, putting it on a ship, clearing it through customs, and everything in between, being able to do that and having the wherewithal to be able to deliver it. That is such a big lift. And they're they're putting all the pieces in place to do it. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of friends that work at Maersk, so I'm rooting for it. I, I just think it's, it's a lot, man. Mm-hmm. They have the money and they've got the time, and it appears they have the leadership to put the patience into it to develop what they need to develop to do it. So... There's no rush. Um, I mean, there's a rush, but they'll, um, they're going to put the time and the effort into it and be patient to let this thing cook and hopefully come up with a, you know, with a great solution that does all these things. So we'll see, man. I'm looking forward to seeing how that, how that plays out with them. Yeah, it's interesting. The one thing on the MSC side, and I've always been a fan of this in my career, is providing services to the service provider can um, mm-hmm. be, be very beneficial, right? And that's kind of the angle that I think um, MSC is going to is that, hey, we'll we'll fill our boats with other people's uh, uh, freight and, and move that. And they're providing services to the service provider, meaning, you know, the the, the three PLs of the world. I know there's direct, direct contracts out there, but um, I kind of see that as an angle that could be beneficial for MSC. So there's the flip side. You spoke about Marist and that's my take on the MSC. Well, Doug, um, we talk a lot about supply chain resiliency and having a stable supply chain. And I question how comfortable I would be with handing over too much of my supply chain to one company and saying, you know, hey, Big Blue, from purchase order through payment, I'm trusting you with a significant portion of the movement of my goods. I don't care how financially stable one company is. I'm giving them way too much capture of my supply chain. I'm giving them too much control of the decisions that move my goods and my supply chain from one place to another. And that's just a bit unsettling to me. Um, as opposed to when you talk about an MSC, a CMA, Hapag Lloyd, who sells services to a service provider, that allows me to have a bigger market basket of providers and to be able to you know, push that liability amongst another a bunch of different groups. Mm-hmm. And when you have these, these alliances, it at least makes me feel like I've got other business partners who are pushing them to make decisions that are at least in unison 
and they're making decisions that are foiling one against the other. And I can use two different carriers and I can, I can push my, my, you know, my, my credits and liabilities across those two. I don't like having all my eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll be interesting, especially the next two years that we both agree on for sure. Heck yeah, buddy. Yeah. All right. And that brings us to, uh, Halftime, brought to us by our good friends at Cap Logistics. To learn more about Cap Logistics, please do visit them at caplogistics.com. Mm -hmm. uh, Doug, what do you have for us this week so on Halftime? Yeah, yeah, thank you. So I saw something uh, this weekend that caught my attention and, and uh, really uh, made me quite quite nervous, is that there's something coming down in, in 2038. It's been referred to as the... Uh, 2038 problem, Y2038 or Y2K38. And it's essentially, um, there's going to be a time formatting bug in computer systems with representing time after uh, 0300, 15 and 7 seconds of the coordinated universal time. So Pete, this is crazy. Here, here's what's going to happen. The problem exists in a system which measures Unix time. The number of seconds elapsed since the Unix epoch, which started on January 1st of 1970, it stores, it stores that in a signal 32-bit integer, and the date time is only capable of representing integers between negative 2.3, blah, 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 blah. I could read another three paragraphs on all this. Basically, they say, you know, who cares? It'll be fixed, right? That's 15 years away. I think Y2K, everybody was like, holy shit, five years before. And that's going to be 38 years earlier. So I don't really understand integers or Unix time. I, I barely even understand what the coordinated universal time is. So, you know, all this kind of stuff, it, it just, it's not going to gain any attention. It'll be a quick little blurb in the media. We'll fix the problem. I'm not that worried about it. Um, and it, people aren't going to really care about it. 1159 on 1999, the world's going to implode. That is sexy. That's a good story. That hypes people up. Very definitive. People can yeah. understand that. You know, I, I don't understand what two to the 31st integer means, uh, and, and I don't really care. So it, it's an interesting story, but the bottom line is that we'll fix it. 15 years out, chat GPT will fix it. Just ask, just ask the computer. They'll take care of it. Yeah, Doug, I started thinking about bacon like 20 seconds into your halftime. <laughs> exactly. it, was, it was just getting so complicated. That's exactly you know? what I mean. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in, um, in software designers. And if there's, a, if there's like a big, huge system-wide problem, mm -hmm. there's probably going to be one person who's in a team of a lot of people who is very well compensated to come up with a way to, you know, extrapolate a, a way to fix all of it with like five keystrokes in Excel spreadsheet and like 25, you know, and just like press a button. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Cause I spent way too much time in, at Wayfair with these engineers who really just wanted to finish their project and go watch, you know, Star Trek Voyager and not have to deal with this problem mm -hmm. or like go play disc golf and smoke a gang of weed and not have to deal with this issue. So I, I, tr I trust in in their ability to fix this problem. They're just they're so much smarter than the problem. Mm -hmm. They will come play a deal with this. So, yeah. Yep. Agreed. Okay, my friend, what do you got for your halftime? Yeah. Um, 
boy. A keynote song for you um, from Soul Coughing. Uh, it's called uh, a Black Helicopters, I believe, on the songs in the key of X, songs inspired by the X-Files. Uh, excellent, excellent record. Excellent, excellent record. So you have um, uh, there's, there's a great song by um, Foo Fighters on there that I believe has not been released anywhere else, but a great album. There's a, the last three verses are, it was a weather balloon. Uh, it's been stuck in my head for days. And as someone who generally believes that if it's not my country who's listening and dissecting every single thing that I do digitally, it's probably someone else's. This weekend for me was just hysterical. It was hysterical, Doug. Mm -hmm. So there was, for those of you who have, who were, I guess, living in Amish country over the past four or five days and did not have access to some kind of digital news source, there was a very large balloon that had been floating above the United States using apparently the jet stream and um, some degrees of its own ability to control its own destiny and was gathering data and information, who knows what kind. If you listen to our friends in the Chinese Communist Party, it was weather data, yeah. Doug. Mm -hmm. If you listen to our friends at the NSA, it was very, very bad information, useful information, um, and it was spying on us. Now, at the same time um, that this was all happening, all the talking heads in the news were saying either to shoot it down, shoot it down. The Chinese are going to learn whether or not I wear a hairpiece when no one's looking. Um, or it was just leave it be. You don't want to provoke the Chinese into a war over their birthday balloons. And then we learned that there was another one that had, that was floating down in South America. And then we would later learn that there were a number of them that had been floating long before President Biden had been in office. And all speculation was rampant, Doug. They were gathering information about missile fields. They were learning the passwords of all these teenagers. Lord knows what that balloon was doing. <laughs> Maybe it was learning if it could drop nuclear missiles or bombs from the balloon. Heavens. And then, uh, you know, as was expected, at some point, uh, it was yesterday, right? They sent a couple of F-22s up and shot a missile at it. And we'd spent like, a, I don't know, three quarters of a million dollars to pop their balloon. Beastie Boy song, by the way. Yeah. Another great song, Keenan. You should definitely check out. And... Um, when we went and recovered it, or pieces of it, allegedly, mm -hmm. you know, so we could put it back together again and send it to our friends in China. Now, I, of course, thought this was hysterical, Doug, because if the Chinese want to spy on us, they, they just have to turn on their servers in Beijing and watch everything from TikTok. Mm -hmm. Like The amount of data that they are pulling, for those of you who have not read the user agreement for TikTok, here's some highlights. If you have TikTok on your phone, they are able to pull all the information from your emails, all of the photos that you put on there, whether you have given 
the photo or the video to TikTok or not, they have access to it if they want it. All the keystrokes that you put on your phone for all the other applications you have on your phone, you've literally opened up all of your digital, uh, all of your digital communications to TikTok. Uh, and I, this isn't me like tinfoil hat in it. This is like literally. Mm -hmm. You also give it access to other computers that you're using outside of your... There's a reason why we're not letting it on government phones. Also... The Chinese are always, as are the Russians, as are like our allied countries that we work with, endlessly gathering information about us, not just through cyber, but I don't know if you knew this, guys, but above that weather balloon are satellites that are constantly orbiting the Earth that can probably tell you like what year your license plate, like the sticker on it, what year it, it expires. The level of detail that these things have on those cameras is absurd. And you're worried about the weather balloon. Mm -hmm. So I just, I thought it was hysterical, Doug. Like this, this weather balloon was going to be the end of democracy mm -hmm. when we are endlessly under surveillance. I mean, I had to ask Alexa how many weather balloons China had. And fortunately, she's always listening so she could tell me. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... <sighs> Yeah, it, you know what? It's because it's tangible, right? The other thing, like I, TikTok and seeing the keystrokes, that's intangible to me. So it's hard to comprehend um, the surveillance aspect of that. And satellites, I can't see them. I don't really know what they're doing. Maybe they're doing what you said. Maybe they're not. But a, a balloon that's silhouetted against the uh, against the moon, tangible. Get it out. What a what a great great shot that was who whatever photojournalist took that picture is going to win a uh, uh, uh an epsi or whatever something with photojournalism but um the funny thing is i love the fact that biden's saying i told him to shoot it down on wednesday and and the, and the, <laughs> the military was like nah yeah be quiet we're, we're gonna do it our way i i don't know my, my two thoughts is hey it's brilliant that you let it fly over the country so we can collect information on what they were looking at. And part of me is like, seems pretty stupid that you let it fly it across the country before you shot it down. And the whole thing about they didn't want to hurt anybody when it comes down, that's a bunch of hooey in my opinion. So I, I, I don't know. But the bottom, is, the bottom line on this one, Pete, is you're right. Here, look over here. Very tangible. It's a balloon where the reality is the data and the, and the gathering of information about us, about what we're doing on a daily basis is so much more prevalent than a balloon. Yeah, I, I can I can make it even easier for you, Doug. That there apparently was an argument between the Air Force and Space Force about who was supposed to be shooting it down, mm. over whose idea. jurisdiction it was. And if you want a really, really, really good laugh, Doug, just go to thespacereview.com and then search for the number of Chinese spy satellites currently in orbit. They'll tell you exactly how many exactly how accurate they are, which ones have infrared, which ones do ultraviolet, how, how like, which ones can show people in their houses, like walking around in real time, mm -hmm. what the operating costs are per second, per minute, how far they can be taken off orbits into new orbits, how often that's actually done. It will make you so uncomfortable. And then look up the American ones because boy, are ours better. It's absolutely incredible the amount of unending surveillance. And these are the ones, by the way, that are just published. 
these aren't the ones that are unpublished that you know SpaceX puts up every once in a while for extra money mm -hmm. um, that are unknown payloads. So I just I couldn't get enough. I could not laugh enough about this. In reality, man, export controls have so much to do with espionage and the amount of stuff. I will be shocked. I will be shocked if they don't pull up American technology out of the ocean. I will be absolutely. <laughs> I will be shocked. Like I will, I will, I will see. I will, I'll eat like part of one of my tennis shoes, I guess. If they don't pull out like something that came from an American company that was that was mistakenly exported to China that ended up on that that damn balloon duck, mm -hmm. I'll be shocked. Yeah. Well, we we always talk about not going into politics, but we've pretty much done that. And you know what? They can tell us whatever they want when they pull that out. If they want to say that it was Mickey Mouse, that. What, what are we going to say? No, I mean they can yeah. basically spin whatever they recover from the ocean and you know, however they want. I love that meme of them saying that we're going to send the underdog um, balloon from Macy's over there for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. We're going to send the underdog balloon over there and teach them a lesson. Right. Well, that was halftime, which went way too long this week. Uh, brought to you by our friends at Halftime Logistics. It's my fault, as always, because mm -hmm. I can't help myself. Uh, to learn more about Cap Logistics, please visit them at caplogistics.com. Right. I will um, do my second one because Doug kicked us off today. My second one has to do with earnings calls last week, and there were a number of them. Um, expediters reported some fantastic earnings, as did C.H. Robinson, which I guess shouldn't be a surprise, but because of the news of the um, dismissal of their CEO, Bob Easterfield, and a lot of the swirly rumors around how they were doing um, economically, it did catch people by surprise. There was the um, fantastic results from TSV that came out on Friday, I believe, as well. Um, but all three of them, all three of those also came with some warnings, Doug. Mm -hmm. So from C.H. Robinson, there was a, an affirmation that they were very pleasantly surprised and happy about how their international division had done. Um, but, but they said that they would be paying close attention to how it did over the course of the next couple of, of, um, of earnings periods. Expediters also was... was um, you know, held it close to their chest saying they're expecting there to be some changes based on changes to the global economic, uh, global economic, um, um, downward pressure. And DSV, like in typical Danish style, just came right out and said, this was a great quarter, but we're getting ready for there to be a change. Mm -hmm. So you should be getting ready for there to be a change over what's going to be happening over the next couple of quarters. Writing's on the wall, buddy. Um, the, the global economic, winds that have been forcing downward pressure on rates, downward pressure on volumes, downward pressure on consumption. It's hitting our business. Uh, we have we have all been seeing, and Robinson mentioned this as well, they're expecting cuts to costs to deal with profitability. That's going to mean layoffs. Um, it's going to hit our industry. It's going to mean more people being asked to take pay, pay cuts. It's going to be more people being asked to leave and there being um, more layoffs. And it's not a surprise. It's just painful because it's going to hit people we know and love, and it's going to mean more reshuffling um, throughout our industry, Doug. So 2023 and um, the next few months, it's going to be the spring of our discontent. And let's just hope that uh, we bounce back as quickly as we can. Yeah. Yeah, the one thing on that one, Pete, that <clears throat> struck me is that it um, what's to come is going to be um, – uh, not quite as good as what uh, 
those earning reports have been in in, uh, in Q4. So uh, you're right, we're seeing it in the news. Now we'll see it on paper and in the financials, I think, uh, in the next quarter. So I love DSV. I mean, they kind of crushed it a little bit and they're just flat out, they didn't spin it at all. They're like, here, you know, <laughs> we, we did a hell of a job. Kudos and uh, yeah. look out, boys. It's going to be a little bit different uh, in the near. Yeah, it was very, it was very honest, right? It was like, listen, we had a great quarter, but we're not, we're not going to sit here and say that we're not facing some difficult times ahead. So we'll do what we need to do to take care of our people and our clients. So just you know, be aware we're we're going to sell hard. We're going to do the right things. You know, this is people always talked about how being in logistics was. You probably heard this right. It was a recession-proof business. I remember always hearing that, like I work in a recession-proof business and uh, nobody works in a recession-proof business. And what we're particularly feeling now is so many of us that work in a business where, let's face it, buddy, we overhired, mm-hmm. right? We had, to, we had to hire a lot of people to deal with just this, the crushing weight of the logistics infrastructure that couldn't keep up with demand. And now that demand is slowing down um, we have great technology that's come into play. We have better processes and just volume's gone down. So, you know, we're, we're dealing with that, but we'll deal with it and we'll, we'll do okay. Mm-hmm. So it's just part of how we grow and evolve as an industry. Unfortunately, you know, Hey, I got laid off a couple of months ago and yep. I'm working again. So we'll, um, you know, just for those of you that it happens to, it's going to get better and, you know, blue skies are ahead. Yeah. I love the positivity. Gotta be. Yeah. I actually have shoes on today. I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named, <laughs> named Gary V, right? V, v, yeah. V. Yeah. 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 I remember that guy. He's like a positivity guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have shoes on and if I was flexible enough, I'd stick them up here on the camera. They're Gary V shoes. And uh, one shoe says positivity and the other one says, uh, I can't even see it here. It's something positivity and, um, uh, positivity. positivity. I, I don't know, but I have, I'm, I'm walking on the concept of positivity, literally on my feet. So, um, it's, uh, I, I love your, the whole reason I brought that up is I love your optimism. So, um, nice. so I'm going to end it. We're going back to old school here. We're going to talk about some trucks, right? So, uh, a gentleman that I have the utmost respect for, and I had a chance to meet him when he came out to speak at a logistics conference a couple of years ago is the ATA president and CEO, Chris Spear. Um, he spoke last week to the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, which met for the first time this session. And he was basically, um, uh, he was there along with the other folks representing rail and ocean and others. But I wanted to focus on, on Chris's take on that. And, and he talked about the biggest challenges facing the truck industry. So I'm just re, um, retelling um, the things that he spoke about. And we can comment on, on a few of them or none of them. But I think it's important for our audience to hear them again. First one, congestion, right? And I think uh, one of the takeaways is that, you know, there's a lot of money that the trucking industry puts into the Highway Trust Fund, and um, which pays for for roads and, and, and infrastructure. And his take was use it wisely and um, don't invest all of it just on fixing the existing infrastructure, but we need to expand it because um, the, the roads... Uh, the bridges, the the throughways are just not big enough, um, uh, secure enough to to handle the growth. 
there's all kinds of statistics you could look at that talks about the number of uh, the amount of gallons of fuel that one burns sitting uh, idling, uh, trucks idling. So congestion, that, that that's real. Use the money that the trucking industry generates for the highway trust fund. Use it wisely. Uh, the next one, most people wouldn't have thought about this, but if you look every day when you're out driving around truck parking, People think it's really not that big of a deal, but I guarantee you will see trucks parked in a variety of different ways across uh, across our nation um, on um, uh, literally on the highways or off ramps or parked in Walmart parking lots or or off to the side. So they need to find safe, secure, and well lit uh, areas. Driver shortage, uh, another big one. There it was um, talking about making it. Uh, uh, interesting and, and attractive for the younger generation to get behind a truck and, and move forward. The one that he spoke about um, that I think is the most impactful is the AB5, and um, that's defining uh, independent contractors and, and who they work for out in California. The thing that was underscored is it's a choice. They're not being forced. Independent contractors are not being forced to, forced to do anything or work outside of their will. That is their choice. And we've talked about, you know, the last cowboys out there, the independent truck drivers. So uh, I think that one's most important because it's going to set precedent. California is going to set precedent across the across the entire country. And I think the one thing that um, uh, could pop up is uh, is unionization if if things progress too far and, and how that would impact. And then the last one, uh, electrification. You got to talk about that. But the overall theme was, hey, it's coming. But uh, let it progress in its own time and the way it needs to progress. Don't try to force it to uh, to happen or or mandate sooner than uh, the the uh, the technology is out there to to support it. So anyway, I, I thought it was important for our audience to to rehash my interpretation of those five. Uh, I think Chris is an amazing individual and uh, he represents uh, the ATA very well. And I wanted to uh, uh, to, to throw those out. So I don't know, Pete. Anything jump out at you? Any any comments you want to make? Well, a lot of them do. Um, this will be a this will end up being another one of these things where three years from now we'll say, remember when the whole supply chain was gummed up? Remember when it was on every single nightly news conversation? Remember when it was all over LinkedIn, all over Twitter? When the American supply chain was gummed up and People that were moving cargo were heroes, and we were never going to forget. But we seem to have forgotten everything. Mm -hmm. And remember when Chris came out, people came out for the ATA. Remember when Peter Churchwell, the first year back after when things got normal at TPM, which is happening very soon, got up on stage and said, it's time for us to remember the lessons of the past and do something. And I'm going to go, no, I kind of forgot about all that. Like, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Because look at where we are. We had this opportunity to do something. And rather than do that, we all just slipped back into our old stupid habits. Because it was easier to do that than to change. There, uh, Oh, man. Like, here's one great... You talked about congestion. I was doing some quick math here. So 80,000 people a day drive down to Boston from New Hampshire. And when you annualize that, it, it's it's somewhere in the neighborhood. I think I, I finished it up here. It was... Uh, you know, it came out to 40 million trips a year, mm -hmm. 40 million people trips a year over what's essentially two significant highways um, twice a day. And the congestion is awful. Absolutely awful. Do you know what we don't have in New Hampshire? 
a communal room. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's mostly held up by people who just want to keep people in cars because they sell gas and keep people going to buy snacks and coffee. And if you could get people off the roads, you'd have less congestion for cargo to move. We don't have sufficient infrastructure for the bridges here so that the intermodal works well enough. The rail companies have been asking for it for all the cement and the asphalt and everything else that we move from here into Maine and Canada because we need infrastructure change. Not going to happen, mm -hmm. right? Training for young drivers to get better training for them, to encourage people to want to do it. It is a absolutely miserable industry to get people to go into because we don't make it a better industry for them to stay in. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't give them the amenities and the respect that they deserve while they're on the job. And then when things are great, we pay them great. And when things are bad, we forget they exist. Mm -hmm. We have to change the way that we pay drivers. And it can be through unions. That's fine. But why can't we pay them a fair annualized wage instead of paying them by the trip? Mm -hmm. Someone's got to step up and start treating them that way. So, yeah, I get pretty passionate about this because nothing drives me crazier, Doug than just constantly making the same mistakes over and over again as an industry and then acting surprised yeah. when we fall on our face again, bud. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, that's all I have on that topic. I think we're wrapping it up. Yes, sir, we are. So um, thanks, Doug, as always, for um, you know being the maverick to my goose, I guess. Uh, and thanks, everyone here, for God, I mean, I die. We should think of a better one. Iceman and Maverick, maybe? I don't know. Uh, thanks. Well, no, then I would get like throat cancer and I would be crappy in the sequel. I'm going to work on this. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining us for another great edition of uh, Global Trade this week. Thanks to Keenan in the booth for, um, you know, not getting chocolate sauce and, uh, and study the light all over his uh, control board. Hope get your homework done. Keenan. And uh, thanks to all of you for always coming back and listening and telling your friends. We really do appreciate it. Yeah. And we'll see you again next week for another great edition of Global Trade This Week. See ya. Excellent. See you, thanks, Pete. Take care. Bye.